You are listening to the Actor Aesthetic Podcast, episode 161, Agents, Actors Access, Moving to LA, TV and Film, and more, featuring special guest, my best friend, Junior Gomez. Let's get started. What's up, everyone? My name is Maggie Barra, and welcome to another episode of the Actor Aesthetic Podcast, where I take you behind the scenes of the theater industry. The Actor Aesthetic Podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment, and show notes are found at actoraesthetic.com forward slash podcast. You can follow me for more tips on the actor lifestyle at Actor Aesthetic or my personal profile at Maggie Barra. All links are in the show notes now. Please, let's get on to the show. What up, my friends? It's Maggie. I'm so excited to share this episode with you today because it's with one of my best friends in the entire world, Junior Gomez. Now, Junior and I went to college at Texas State University together. We studied musical theater. He is now a SAG-AFTRA actor based in Los Angeles, California, which makes me so sad because he's so far away, but I digress. He shot his first feature film at two, starring Lou Diamond Phillips and Malcolm McDowell earlier this year, which we'll talk about in this episode. Regionally, he was in Amadeus at the Folger Theater in D.C. and spent a summer at the Texas Shakespeare Festival where he was in Tartuffe, Love, Labor's Lost, and King John. He is represented by CCA. And Junior has been bugging me to do this episode for the longest time. Not really, but yes. So he roasts me. I roast him. It's a good time. But ultimately, we have some really great conversations about agents, managers, moving to L.A. versus New York City, pursuing TV and film versus musical theater and straight theater. And even though Junior and I goof around a lot in this episode, one thing is very clear and that Junior is super honest and transparent about who he is and where he's come from. What you see is what you get. And I love that about Junior so much. So without further ado, please sit back, relax and enjoy our chat. What are your thoughts on Hoboken, New Jersey? I believe that Hoboken has to be one of the most useless places on earth. <laughs> my mother, Nancy Gomez, I don't even know. She was born there. You know more about my mom. than Yeah, she, she was born there. So it's a vibe, but like I've never been. What and do you mean it's a you, vibe? How do you know it's a vibe if you've never been? First of all, what's up? But let, let, let's tell the audience about this because okay. I always say, I'm like, Maggie, hey, you just moved there. Oh, you bought a condo. Oh, you're successful. Hey, why don't you, as my best friend, send me photos of your, of, of your apartment, you know, right, of right, the surrounding right. areas, the coffee shops, the bars. Let me see it. Mm-hmm. And then you send me pictures right. of random buildings. There's okay. no... There's nothing there. It's buildings so, in the sky. Me, Come on. Buildings in the sky. It could be anywhere. No. It could be anywhere. No. And I don't get it. I don't know why anyone lives in Hoboken. I want to I want to backtrack really quick. You just said I'm your best friend. I don't understand that. That doesn't well, ring a bell to me. Well, I don't know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> so, Junior and I have not seen each other in person for the past like 3 3 years maybe. Three, two, it two, might five. even be bordering on four. Don't say bordering on four. <laughs> <laughs> it's really on the cusp of, of four and a half at this point. Me it's been Junior, a while. Me and Junior go way back. So Junior and I went to college together. We went to uh, Eat 'em Up, Bobcats, Texas State University. Right now, Junior, let's let's yeah. get let's get real for a second. Now, why not? You know what? This is going to be a real one. So you went to school. You went. You go to Texas State University and you study musical theater. That I did. Uh, did you always want to study musical theater? Like what, what draw you to actually pursue it at like a collegiate level? Uh, well, I grew up doing musical theater. Right. I did it since the age of seven. Mm-hmm. So that was just the only thing that was accessible to me growing mm-hmm. up. So that was the only thing that I knew I really was good at when it was the time to decide to go to college or not. And it just felt like the natural segue. But in my heart, mm. I knew I, I wanted to just pursue acting. Interesting. Yeah. So now fast forward a thousand years later, you're 45 years old. Um, I'm actually, yeah, I'm 72 <laughs> now. Mm-hmm. You're in L.A. Why? Yes. Why are you in L.A.? Well, 
Well, that's a great question. <laughs> and thank you for asking. I, I'm in LA because I shot a feature here in January. And that's just what it is. I'm not even trying to flex on you. That's just the truth. That's why I'm here. And I'm very grateful about it. I really am. You know what I mean? You're so annoying. You're so annoying. <laughs> well, no. So, so listen, the pandemic happened. Okay. I was in New York pursuing musical theater at that time, right mm -hmm. out of school. 2018, I graduated. I was mm -hmm. in New York. Um, you know, it, it was what it was. Then the pandemic happened. I came back down to Florida where I'm from and probably like everyone else, I had no idea what was, what the future was going to look like and specifically mm. for me. So I started to look for other jobs and I started to do other things. Cause I was like, Hey, the industry may never come back as we know it, or it may never come back. Also, I gave up my apartment in New York. Mm -hmm. So I was just like, let me just try to move forward with what I have. So I started to do sales for a tiny house company. Shout out Homestead Tiny House Company. They're based in Georgia. If you need a tiny home, hit up Chase Crandall. I'll drop the at for his email. But um, you'll, you'll actually have to do that. I don't know how to do it. And so, so I worked for them and it was really cool. It was awesome to do something completely different. But uh, it just wasn't for me. I was there for six months. Mm. And then... I went to go see, this is literally how it happens, you know, at least in my situation. But I went to LA, my sisters live here. They've lived here for 10 years now. And they're screenwriters, represented writers. They're amazing. Mm -hmm. And I went to go visit them. This was in September. And my other best friend, Trevor Berger, uh, oh, sorry, Trevor James, he changed his name, Trevor James. Um, you know what I mean? He's that guy, pal. He's the best. He's the best. Trevor, singer. who who we've also had on the podcast earlier. He was on which, the pod. It was which an I think is episode. a little bit. It was a great episode. However, it definitely pained you that he got on the podcast before you did. And I know that you're better. I know well, that you're better. Well, listen. First is the worst, and second is the best. Everyone yeah, knows that. Who and, says that? <laughs> and, well, no one does. But I think everyone's going to fall in love with this episode because of our chemistry, <laughs> and we needed Trevor to just kind of start it off. You know, <laughs> and so I, Trevor's birthday was coming up. I was like, I got to go see my boy and I got to see my sisters. Mm -hmm. And so, and I just quit the job with mm -hmm. the sales of the tiny house. So I was like, I have no idea what I'm going to do with my life, but let me just go out to LA for like a week and a half or something like that. So I come out here, I hung out with my sisters, LA's beautiful. I'm like, okay, this is awesome. Then I go to Trevor's birthday uh, party that he had at his house. And <laughs> like uh, Trevor's going to be in an upcoming feature film mm -hmm. that he was telling me about. And, uh, you know, he knows the director and, and that production team. And they were there. And uh, I started talking to Max, who's a director of Et 2, the feature film that me and Trevor were both in. Um, and within a couple of minutes of talking to Max, he was like, hey, man, like we we got to put you in the film. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, yeah, I guess so. Isn't and that so, usually what happens? Isn't that usually was, what happens? Yep. Well, I was on the grind in New York. You know, you know about that vibe. Yeah. And, uh, you know, nothing happened. I, I got a few jobs, mm -hmm. but nothing, you know, enough to sustain the career just from acting because mm -hmm. that takes time and everything. Um, but it's just insane to me that I, I come out to L.A. for a party to support, you know, like and just see my best friend and my sisters not even thinking about acting and not thinking I was gonna come back into the industry. And then I talked to a director and within a couple minutes, it was like, I'll put you in the feature. And then I got my my SAG card and I joined the union. I mean, it makes no sense. It truly <laughs> makes no sense. So you're in LA, what are like your big goals for yourself for this next year? I would say, well, I just secured a representation yes, for myself. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. Tell us, actually, you know tell me mm -hmm. about that. Tell me about, you don't have to walk through the entire process because I know you're still like yeah. in development, but tell me about how you got that for yourself because I love this. Well, I'm sure you your, your audience knows this because I know that you probably have a course on it <laughs> and uh, maybe I should have bought it. And that was <laughs> on me. That was on me. You know what I mean? But... Um, yeah, so I was looking at trying to get representation. I had some connections out here, mm -hmm. um, but nothing was kind of materializing. So I was like, I got to 
figure this out because as we've talked about, the difference between theater and TV and film representation is that in theater, you can go to an ECC or you can become equity and whatever, and you can go and like get yourself auditions uh, for really big, high caliber productions. Mm -hmm. Whereas like in TV and film, you do not have that access as just an actor. You need representation in the TV and film industry or commercials or anything like that. So um, Caitlin Hopkins, who's the head of our uh, school at Texas State, she told us about this. If we ever got into this situation, like after showcase, if we, you know, even if we got representation or we didn't, that there is a book called Call Sheet by Backstage. I literally have it right here. And it gives a list of all the casting directors from New York or California, all the agents. It gives all their emails and their policy about how you would go about reaching out to them and, you know, how you secure representation. So I just emailed uh, as many people as I could <laughs> before I got a response. I mean, I, I emailed probably like maybe 70 agents and then like 70 managers and uh, maybe only six reached back out to me. And then I met with um, two, two agencies. And you signed with CCA, correct? That is correct. Yeah, yes. I, I secured that bag with them. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, you know what I mean? so you, you secure the bag, which the reason why I think this is so important to hear is because I'm such a big proponent of, of being your own advocate and just, just making your own shit happen. And yeah. for you, you couldn't, you're absolutely right. When you say that, like, uh, with film and TV, it is really, really hard to get in big rooms without an agent or manager because so much of of auditions is unbeknownst to actors. They don't see yeah. the breakdowns like agents do in film mm. in um, theater. You can see some of those and you can go to open calls. You can submit to things, but that does not necessarily happen all the time with film and TV commercial. So yeah. for you knowing that this is what you want to do for the next several years, the rest of your life, you knew you had to put yourself in a situation where you could be in front of agents and managers what did you learn about yourself from these meetings and what did you learn about the other people that you were interviewing with? Well, I'll say this coming outside of showcase in 2018, I had kind of like, and I feel like a lot of people that graduate with a theater degree or a musical theater degree or whatever have a leg up in terms of if, if your school offers that showcase, because you get like a red carpet into the industry. It's not the end all be all, but it's like, um, I would say that it's not the typical way. It's almost like spoon fed to you without teaching you the, like the framework that creates a sustainable career. So for me, I met with like top tier agencies right out of showcase. And then I signed with one right out of showcase within the mm -hmm. next two days. Um, which was awesome. But at the same time, I don't think I was ready for that. Mm -hmm. And, um, within, or after the, the year, after the contract, uh, was up with that agency, I, they let me go. So then I was like floating and wandering and I was like, Oh my goodness. I just put all the power into them and the agencies to, uh, I don't know, uh, I guess my self-worth and value as a, as an actor which is a very dangerous uh, place to be. Yes. And so this time around, I just looked at it very practically. I was like, okay, what do I need to do? Okay, let me clean up my website. Let me clean up my reel. Mm -hmm. Let me, you know, update my resume, whatever it is, my actor's access, and just submit as much as I can. And I think I understood that they work for me and then again, that it's a, a collaboration because they only get money if I get jobs. So uh, <laughs> I have to like them. They have to communicate well with me. And I feel like they have to represent and fight for me to put me into rooms where, you know, hopefully I can succeed and, and do a good job with the casting directors and get that relationships going, which is, to be honest, the most important thing is just uh, meeting with the casting directors and creating that foundation. Uh, you mentioned because, actors yeah. access which I think is important to just uh, 
explain a little bit because I've talked about it just so briefly on this podcast before. Um, But Actors Access, so for those of you who don't know what this is, it's sort of like a, a branch of Breakdown Express. And Breakdown Express kind of runs all of the different sites that are involved with it. Actors Access is one of them. And for Actors Access, actors are able to upload uh, clips of them performing, their resume, um, they can p- connect their agencies to it. Um, you were you said that you were using it on your own prior to even having yeah, an yeah. agent. Uh, what did you have on your Actors Access? How did you submit? Um, what kind of projects were you seeing? Like, what was your experience on Actors Access? Different than at, uh, New York City. Um, yeah. LA has a bunch of student films and short films. I, I, New York has that too, but like USC is like right down the street from me. So um, I saw a lot of that. And I, to be honest, just wanted to, after at two, when we wrapped, it was like only a month of shooting. Um, I really wanted to just like continue to act. Like I was kind of getting uh, addicted to the feeling of being on set. So I was like, I just want to keep working. I want to keep going. I want to keep going. So um I submitted to, uh, yeah, student student films at USC, and then <laughs> this is actually hilarious. So, um, and 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 I hope your audience can understand that acting is not just um, musical theater mm. performing. Obviously, if that's what you want to do, that's that's cool. But um, it's going to be hard to make a living, and you shouldn't just limit yourself doing just that one thing. Um, so, for example. Uh, a, a market I never thought I would ever be in is uh, hand modeling. So <laughs> I literally yeeted my my submission to Actors Access. Okay, <laughs> I saw this thing and it was like for hand modeling, and I was like, I mean, my hands aren't that even beautiful, but I mean, let me just give it a shot because mm-hmm. this is hilarious if I get it. And so I submitted to them, and then I didn't hear back for like two weeks. And then they just, uh, you know, emailed me like uh, two weeks later. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, hey, can we get some pictures of your hands? And oh I said, gosh. of course, I'd be honored. <laughs> so I sent some pictures of my hands. I don't know. And then <laughs> I guess it was okay enough. And uh, and then I got it. And then well, I went all to kinds San of projects. Diego, which was cool. I know. And there was all kinds of projects. There are still different kinds of projects. There are student films. There are union yeah. projects, non-union projects, commercials, um, feature films, indie things. There's musical yeah. theater stuff, union and non-union readings. There's a lot of readings on there. Um, there are definitely quite a few projects that you can submit to wherever you are located in the world. And honestly, more people are using this than before because um, more actors, but also more creative teams because uh, this is the place to go to find to find talent, and you can directly submit through Actors Access. Yeah, I hundred percent would recommend because it was crazy, man. When I went to New York, um, I didn't. I don't even think I looked at my Actors Access once. Mm-hmm. I didn't even log in um, <laughs> when I was in New York when I had an agent because I was mm-hmm. just relying so heavily on that. Um, and uh, a few of my friends, actually, and, and your friends as well, because you know them. Um, didn't even really submit themselves that much. Like their agents did do a good enough job um, that they could just book work from their agents. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's why everyone's everyone's different. But I would suggest, especially if you're a musical theater graduate, you probably don't have that much experience on set yet. So I would definitely go to Actors Access, submit for those student short films, and then just just think of it as practice. And the cool thing is, like if you do NYU or anything like that, they're going to have it set up that it, it, they're basically running it like it is a SAG contract. Mm-hmm. So everyone there to the cinematographer, the director, the boom person, like all of those people are taking it so seriously yeah. that like even that time when I was doing it here at USC, the little like uh, scene I did, mm-hmm. uh, it felt more, <laughs> I'm not trying to roast the, the I'm not, I'm not talking crap at all about the future <laughs> that I did. But even then, it felt more intense yeah. than I did. So I'm just saying that it's like, don't look down at those student short films because Absolutely. those people are trying to make a name for themselves and they're really hungry yes. to just do the best job that they can. So it could be great experience. It'll look awesome on your reel. Um, and again, you're just on set and you're doing what you love. So it makes it makes a lot of sense, especially for musical theater 
people. And it's a, it, like, I hate the term like low stakes because mm-hmm. I don't like that. You should go into everything that it's like, I'm going to do my best. Like, I don't give a crap what it is. And it's, you should do a hundred percent your best, whether you're performing uh, for a self tape or whatever it is, you should always go a hundred percent. But obviously, you know, if you're doing a USC thing or whatever, you know, the budget's not a hundred million. So yes, the stakes are lower, but you should approach it the same as if you were doing a USC, you know, student short versus if you were doing a hundred million dollar budget film. Right. And those, those students are the next directors. They're the next, you know, feature film directors. And you also, I'm glad that you mentioned that because you can absolutely use that material for your reel. Even if you're just doing that stuff just for the reel, say they're not even paying you or they have a really small budget, which is likely. Um, it is really important. And that's, that's something that I wish I had taken more advantage of in college and right out of college was, uh, doing more of that, doing more of the yeah. student, the student films, because that really can help you with a reel. And I found, I found myself even like a couple months ago when I got really close to getting, um, a TV thing was they were asking for me to send them a reel. And even though I've done like several TV really? things, yeah I, yeah, I did more stuff when I was younger. It wouldn't make any sense for me to send them stuff from when I was younger because I don't, I yeah. don't look like that. I don't sound like that. It's like when I was 14. So yeah. I was stuck not having any sort of material or having very, very little material. And that is the perfect way to get material, especially when you're still in college too, is to work with Ooh, your friends, yeah. work with your friends who already have, um, you know, even if you're going to school for musical theater guarantee you you have some sort of uh uh there's also maybe a film major or um yeah. someone or a directing major that is like hungry to to also work on on their their material so why not get that on film yeah and the and the, and the level of quality of like the cameras that they use for these sort of uh student films are phenomenal mm-hmm. so it's going to look like you're like in a feature film so mm-hmm. I would definitely suggest doing that for sure. That'll look yeah. really good. Yeah. And I'm going to need you to, I'm going to need you to do it. You know what I mean? <laughs> Does that make sense, Maggie? Because I'm going to need you on Blue Bloods tomorrow. I, I'm trying. Uh, so close, Heck but so yeah. far. No, you got it. No. <laughs> You're goaded. You're goaded. Goaded? And let me say this. Let That's me say big. this. On this pod, well, <laughs> on this pod, you're, you're so talented. And like, I, I love you so much i mean you're my best friend and 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 i'm not trying to gas you up even though that's my job you but literally you're so talented. are right now well, well like you have the most beautiful <laughs> voice in the world you're a great actor and you have this podcast you have a full-time job you bought a condo i mean like what else are you doing right now you know what i mean like you're goaded man Wow, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, to build different, I'm gonna like keep you that really little section for myself. I think I'm gonna, I, I wish I could like cut that out and post that on my wall, but apparently I can't because it is audio well, and not well. Really. We gotta work on that YouTube presence, but yeah, I think right. ultimately, <laughs> well, um, if anyone wants to, uh, to get gassed up, just give me a call. I'll drop my number below. Don't, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean. What is the difference for you between approaching material uh, for film and TV versus musical theater, especially when it comes to an audition? Mm. Do you approach it any differently? Well, I guess the preparation is completely different because in musical theater, you have to learn a song. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> that's literally different. And then, um, I th- yeah, I mean. Do you it, remember it, what it that's is... like? No, no. <laughs> well, it's funny because I'm about to do a, a reading oh. that's of a musical coming right. up soon. Okay. And I haven't, well, you just do what you do. But I, <laughs> I haven't sung in a while. I think I forgot, you know, no. so we'll see what happens. I might, I might brick it. I don't read music. I don't know how to read music. Don't I tell don't... people this. You guys, no, I don't true. know what he's saying. He's not, he's no. not telling the truth. He can read music. No. He went to school. I can't. No, don't. No, I literally can't. Yes, you I, can. I, can't. I have a great year. You know what I mean? And I, and I can memorize things really well, but uh, I can't read music. And that's you do okay. have a really great memory. You can memorize really well. I remember when I was working, I don't, do you remember this? You, uh, what show were you auditioning for? We were working on lines. Was it like Hamlet? No. Romeo and Juliet? It might have been. Was it Romeo and Juliet? Do you no, remember? I think it was Hamlet. It was Hamlet? In your living room? Yes. Yeah. No. Yeah. That memory? What? 
got to pay money Thank for you. that. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but like uh, a lot of the college projects that I was doing, like I yeah. did a lot of, uh, uh, I really wasn't a musical theater major, even though I was. I mean, I did a lot of <laughs> classical plays. Uh, I did a lot of classical plays. I did a lot of Shakespeare. I did that's Moliere. Okay. I did a lot of, oh, and yeah. that's what I wanted to do. That's what I wanted to do because mm. again, I knew in the back of my head and I'm grateful I went to Texas State because mm. it allowed that uh, that option for me. But um, I mean, I had monologues that were two pages long and yeah. I'd never ever, I mean, in musicals th that just doesn't exist other than literally, I don't know why I'm thinking about this, but like Paul in a chorus line maybe is the closest, like longest monologue. I could be wrong, but like, uh, that's just unheard of, you know? So it well, was, here's it the was thing. a lot of fun. So you, you have to, so what's really hard about plays, straight plays, and then also film and TV stuff is, well, let's be real. With straight plays, there's a lot of text to learn. Film is such a visual medium that you could have yeah. one or two lines and it can span a course of like 10 minutes because there's so many visual aspects to things. But when it comes to plays, of which you've done a lot of, you have to learn so much material. And I don't know how you do it because my memorization <laughs> is shit. What do you like? What helps you? Like, how do you learn? How? What do you do? So I, I was doing Tartuffe and I, and I yes. freaked out because, oh because the turnaround was so fast yeah. and I think I did Romeo and Juliet before that. So I like, I started yeah. and then I studied abroad that year. I went to London. So I was kind of like feeling in that like classical world. Um, and, and honestly, once you, and I, and I, again, I understand that your audience is mainly musical theater people, but if you have any interest at all, or, or just be open to it when you go to school, mm. because once you learn classical text and how to do it, and if you like it, but like, if you learn how to do it, like regular English is so much easier in mm. any way that you approach any, even just TV and film uh, audition or musical theater audition, you only have a couple lines, but it's so much easier to memorize. It's unbelievable how how your brain could adapt so fast when you go from classical to then just regular text. Uh, but so I was doing Tartuffe and the turnaround was really fast. I think uh, we auditioned for it um, and plot twist. I actually, <laughs> I didn't, um, I didn't read the play because I didn't. So well, okay. what's the, okay. So Tartuffe, um, when was this play written back in like what? This is oh an old God. play, old, old play. What? It has to be in the sometimes in the sixteen. I might be capping right now. You're probably capping. Actually, don't, I don't, actually don't think you're capping. But it's very. It's not Shakespeare, correct? But it's very it similar. It isn't. Yeah. No. Yeah, and it has different uh, variations too, mm -hmm. which depending on the on the way. I've done it two different times and two different ways to do it, and it, mm -hmm. it literally is so different each way. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's not. It's not uh, Shakespeare, but everything rhymes with Moliere, which is dope. So it's like you're mm -hmm. basically like a rap star. So it felt amazing, um, but there was well, no music behind it. I've never heard anyone say rap star in my life. So you're the first. It felt bad. If Well, it felt bad when I said it. Okay, and I regret well, it immediately. you admit that. You admit that. Well, well, I'm humble. And so. <laughs> Says a humble person. <laughs> well, and so what, so basically, hold on. Let me go back to the memorization <laughs> thing because that it was, that I had so much anxiety about it because I I went in, I didn't read the play. I didn't know how big the part was that I auditioned for. I was just like, oh man, like, okay. Like there was a senior acting major who's amazing. And mm -hmm. I'd seen him in other things in productions. And I was like, there's no way I'm going to get this part over him. There's just no way. And there's other acting majors who are more talented than I am, I think. And that were auditioning for it. And I'm like, well, they're in the acting major. So like, there's no way I'm going to get it. Mm -hmm. um, and then... I mean, I got the part, I think, uh, a day after the callbacks. And then we put it up in, I think it was three weeks. What? So we had to be off book, I think, within a week and a half or something like that. Like, it was it was really fast. In addition to school. Like, that's one thing to oh. just, like, have a 10 to 6 rehearsal process, right? No, yeah. you had school. And then you went to rehearsal. <laughs> yeah, that was great. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, know how I did that. Um, did you graduate? But on it... <laughs> No, I'm still in school. Um, I actually shouldn't have probably passed elementary school, to be honest. Oh my grammar, my I, I don't even know what, I don't know what a comma is, but what? I'll say this. Well, so then, um, so then I got it and I'm like, I, I had kind of an inkling of how to 
do memorization work, but I was still, I was like so overwhelmed. I was like having so much anxiety in addition to school and, and everything. So uh, the lead, uh, Lucas Matterson is an amazing actor. He played Tartuffe. And he gave us actually advice for all of us. It was like uh, maybe after the first read through, he was like, guys, um, I had this amazing advice that has worked for me and I do this for every part. And I do this now for every self tape, everything, anything I have to memorize. I write down the lines sentence by sentence oh my until until it gets to the point where I'm just writing it and I'm just like free. Like, it's just like, it's a oh part man. of me at this point. Yeah. So like, I'll go back over and over. I'll write the same sentence 20 times until it's like ingrained in my mind. And so it just becomes very, uh, at that point, it's like, it feels just like office work, but mm -hmm. I have, I personally enjoy it because I just like put like classical or, or, or beautiful music on, or I put like, you know, whatever music I like to listen to. And, and it feels like it's a part of, and it is a part of the preparation of anything that I do. So that's been the, the best and easiest way to memorize for me is wow. writing it down line by line. And then, um, I would then get up and then say it out loud. And I would actually, uh, uh, like kind of march in place. This was a, an advice from a, a voice teacher in school, uh, that I think now she's the head of acting at Texas state actually, which is so cool. She's an amazing teacher. Kate Glashine is amazing. And, uh, uh, this was when I was in the rival, she gave this added advice, which I, I think, I think I actually even applied it during Romeo and Juliet actually. Mm. Um, but I would basically do the lines after I'd written it down. So I already know it so well. Um, but I would just like start to like march in place around my room. And I would just say it out loud with no emotion, very monotone. So like if the line is like the ultimate guide to the entertainment industry, it's like what, like what this book is right here. So it'd be like the ultimate guide to the inter. And I would just do that for the whole speech or whatever mm -hmm. the thing is. And you march in place to kind of teach your body that it's like, uh, you're not learning to memorize it in a pattern, which I think could be tricky for actors um, because we're not supposed to like memorize it in a pattern. And you can tell when someone has gotten into funk so easily, especially for TV and film, you want to be as loose as possible with the words. So you almost even want to forget the words. But I think in order to do that, you want to make sure that you're completely off book and you can control that aspect. Of course, you might, you know, flub a line or whatever, and you could always hold the paper. But I highly suggest just writing it out until you have it cold and then just like literally walk around your room and like change the pace, change the direction, and then say a very monotone and You'll notice when you do it that when you change the direction, you'll start to like forget the line and you're like, oh my goodness, because you started to even memorize it in a pattern. But then what it does is it just makes you super flexible with the text so that when you do it for real, you could just like have emotion behind it or whatever you need to do. Are you saying change the direction? Like literally when you're walking, you change directions? Yeah. yeah. I yeah. love that you said like, that. Uh, someone just, I was having a conversation with someone last week and they told me exactly that. And I was like, Oh my God, that's perfect. Because I love when, when you take a piece of text, you learn it a little bit, or even if you just have it like on a paper and you read it out loud and you put nothing on it. Um, but yeah, you just change direction whenever there's like punctuation. So like you read the line. Yeah, to that's what it is. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Especially with Shakespeare, especially with older text, because, um, lots of times you can get stuck in like the, the poetry aspect of it. Um, yes. but yeah, reading it, and then anytime you see a comma, a, a period, exclamation point, any sort of punctuation, you change direction. And I think that's really smart. I also think, love that you mentioned the, the and I love that Lucas said this, to write it out because that seems so mm -hmm. tedious. But it is very um, meticulous where you have to, you can't miss a word. Um, yes. And with old text, you really, really want to be careful of paraphrasing because that could really change the meaning of anything you say, especially Shakespeare, especially when someone comes, and especially with those really, really popular Shakespeare shows because someone's going to know. Someone's going to be like, what was that? Who put that so. line in there? I hate, I hate to be that guy, but I, I am that guy. I'm no. that guy, pal. That, like... Um, it, it, it's just wild. I mean, there's obviously this big debate whether Shakespeare even wrote it yeah, yeah. or, you know, like how many times has it been, you know, all the variations of the text and whatever. But regardless with what we have and what we know and as it's written, depending on, you know, the way you do it in the production, um, the, every single word, every single comma, everything 
is so planned out that it's mm. like, as an actor, I don't think there is a better uh, medium to express yourself. And if you allow yourself to, to really go there, it's unbelievable. And, and to be honest, any classical text that you approach, um, not to, you know, um, poop on anything that's modern, but I, I like there have been obviously like great modern plays, but the, the classics, especially if you're training as an actor, um, which we always will be in growing and stuff, I think you should, you should do the classics and because you're going to learn a lot and you're going to, become the best actor that you can be doing it. So I wouldn't uh, be too intimidated. And, and I understand that it is very intimidating, but like when I went to school and, and I was in Jim Price's acting class, I, uh, I had a lot of emotional damage with musical theater. So like when I did Shakespeare for the first time, no one ever told me I was bad at it. And so I just, I just went for it. Like I, I didn't feel any intimidation by it. So I just had fun. And I was like, oh, acting should be fun. Oh, okay. Um, and so, yeah, it's just so much fun. And then when you, when you do TV and film and stuff, like being on set is, is like a dream. It's so much fun to, to collaborate in that art form specifically. You probably learned a lot about yourself over this past year, two years, three years. I haven't learned um, anything. No, but you have. Don't give me that. All uh, right. Um, something that you and I have been talking about a lot is having a life outside of theater and acting. A life, you life and life and life, yeah. I don't think I said that, but. Oh, well, well, it is what it is. All right. No. Let's move on from, how do we, how do we go on from here? You know <laughs> what I mean? How do we move forward <laughs> from here? How do we leave this conversation? Um, I don't by, know. By hanging up at this point, by just simply. Well, yeah, well, well, I, well, I think at this well. point, the audience, the audience is enthralled. <laughs> they're on the edge of their seats. And if they're not, um, I don't know. You know what I mean? <laughs> I think, I think, first of all, at the end of this, and then you can finish your question. I think <laughs> we need to have a poll. Should we have a separate podcast? Because I feel like everyone's going to listen to it. I think we're going to be successful. Which is and, why uh, I'm excited. Now let's, let's ring it back in because I, this is why I'm excited. <laughs> this is why I'm excited to ask you this question. Uh, yes, it's more or less a question. It's more, it's more so just a conversation that I think needs to be had, um, is, wow. is specific uh, for you, junior, who are you outside of, of being a performer? What are your, what is, if you couldn't sing or dance or act or do TV and film, if you could not do that for the rest of your life, would you still be happy? Well, now we're getting into an interesting conversation of if you believe in destiny or fate. Okay. I think because I think for myself, like I said at the beginning of the pod, um, when I stepped away from acting, it felt unbelievable at the time for a couple of months that I allowed myself that freedom. Um, and I'm, you know, it, it just felt amazing to not have to like, I don't know, be on social media or try to brand myself or even think about that or even think about what I'm eating. You know what I mean? Like I was yeah. just like being a human being, which is so absurd to think about, but um, it is a reality of, of what we do that you kind of have to, I don't know, think about yourself in that way because it is a business. Uh, so it was nice to take that break from, from it all. And just, I don't know, like uh, before I was doing sales, I was doing a lot of blue collar work. I was working with my dad in plumbing. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I, I just want to say that, like, I learned so much about myself during that time and, and my dad, shout out to my dad. I love my dad because he, he's a, I love that we're talking about this, but he's a, he's a, a, an immigrant and he came from Honduras when he was 28 and he came into Miami and, uh, he's, he's my hero. He didn't know the language. He didn't know a human being. He didn't know a soul. All he knew is that he didn't want to go back to where he was. So he made he made it happen for himself and he worked in blue collar jobs his whole life. Um, and he learned the language and, uh, and then he found a trade, he found plumbing and he became a master plumber. He went to school, you know, he got certified and all of that stuff. So like that job, just any blue collar job is the hardest thing in the world. I, I, I wish everyone in this world could do it for even a week and follow the people uh, that do it because it is so hard. They wake up at like 4am and they don't stop working until like seven, you know what I mean? Um, 
it's just a really hard life. And so I did that for like five, six months. And uh, even before I did the tiny house stuff, like I, I was working with my dad, like I said, so it was like a combined six months of blue collar stuff. And that was really, really hard. Um, so give me a perspective looking at acting that it's like, oh my goodness gracious, acting has to be the, the biggest privilege that, that anyone could partake in because, um, I mean, the reality is, and, and, and I mean, obviously, you know, as a storyteller and as an artist, you know, you want to make things that are profound and, you know, that people can connect to and all of that stuff. And that exists in the space. Also though, like when I was on set, you have PAs that walk you around from your dressing room to on set. And, uh, you know, uh, th there's craft services. There, there's all these things that are like taking care of, like you just feel like a baby. All you have to do is know you're blocking in your lines and then you're good to go. And it's amazing and I love it, but mm -hmm. I'm just kind of trying to put, even for the audience and, and, and myself, that perspective of uh, that it is a really big privilege to, to, to do acting. And uh, that one day for myself, uh, to be able to just do it for a living is like a dream. Um, and I had to get that perspective for myself because when I was in New York, I didn't have a life outside of acting. I was also dealing with other things, but I think that was the biggest problem. Like my whole ego and identity was wrapped in, I have to be successful or I'm nothing. My value is in how, how much I can book, how much, uh, how many credits I can get, you know, how many Broadway shows at that time, uh, you know, whatever it is, uh, just so I can look cool to people who I don't even know. I mean, how stupid is that? But we all feel that way to a certain extent, if we're being honest. And so I needed that perspective change. So kind of coming back into it now, I just look at it like it's it's just fun. Like I, I, I look at it like I love it. So it doesn't feel like every time I do a self-tape, it isn't like an art, like an arduous thing. It's not like, oh man, I got to learn lines. It's like, wow, I get to learn lines. But it's not like a conscious decision either. It's like a perspective, it's like a, a, a deep perspective change that you can now, like for me, I, I just, I, I look at it, I'm like, oh, I'm going to give my all to this because I love it so much and it's so much fun. So that's what I, I would hope for all your listeners that they can get to that point. It's very difficult um, to get to that point. And I needed to go through all of those, uh, I guess, uh, hard jobs that I, that I had to, to get to the point where now I could just see it as uh, a job, but also it's something that I love, which I'm very grateful to be able to pursue both because that's not the case for a lot of people. You can have a hobby outside of something that you love, like if you love fitness, but it's not your career, you know, like a hobby, I guess, I guess is acting. I don't know, but, um, I love it. So the fact that I could make it a career, mm. um, is pretty amazing. And then also to answer your question, uh, <laughs> like, uh, I mean, like I'm a part of a basketball league here at the Beverly Hills, uh, basketball league. Anyone that wants to come see me, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm unbelievable. Um, <laughs> I don't know our team. I, I didn't go to the last game, but I'm pretty sure we're down <laughs> zero two. We lost both games. Um, I didn't make a single point. Uh, but I feel like we're going to turn it around. So if anyone wants to come to that and, uh, you know, I think having a life outside of it as well, but I think changing the perspective that it's like, listen, I'm just doing this because I love it. And it's your life. Like you have to, uh, put your priority of your own happiness as number one. And so again, if, if uh, this is why I'm saying about it's fate or destiny, because I think mm. it's not a coincidence that I came out to LA and then I swear when I did not want this. I get offered a feature film and then I could join mm -hmm. the union. Like that makes no, like if I were to tell myself that when I was in New York, I'd be like, there's no way I have to grind. I have to do all this crap. Yeah. And um, I'm very lucky that it worked out for me. But I also think um, even if I had to do it again, um, I think I was born to do this. So it, it's, it's one of those things that I just kind of accepted in myself that I'm like, listen, like, you know, I'm an actor. So mm. It is what it is. That's not all of me. And that's not all who I am, of course. But I think, you know, um, I, I have yet to find anything that makes me happier. So if that comes around at some point, then I'll be open to it. But um, yeah. I feel like the only thing that makes you happier than acting are your dogs. Is this true? Listen here. Yeah. Cosmo Gomez, no. he has anxiety. <laughs> He has a thyroid problem. No. He has a thyroid issue. No. He has cholesterol. We rescued him. 
when he was just a kid. I love him. <laughs> I rub his chest. I rub his head and I kiss his ears. Okay. okay. Because he's the love of my life. I know. Then he's my little son. I kiss his paws, which I call his hands. He likes to stretch and I say, stretch it, stretch it. And then there's Luna. <laughs> Luna, Luna yeah. is the love of my life. She's my best friend. Mm-hmm. Um, she's beautiful, mini she's Aussie, beautiful blue eyes. Mm-hmm. Oh, she's gorgeous. And, and I love her so much. And so they make me very happy, but they're in Florida. <laughs> so I FaceTime my mom every day and uh, I get to see them. Good. I call, her, I call her Mamita. Mamita. Luna, I call her Mamita. Mm. Mm. So anyway. Very fitting. I'm glad you said that about perspective because ugh, you and my dad just hitting it deep with the perspective talk because, Go you know, I, I had a conversation with a friend about this the other day where there was a point in my life, just like maybe in uh, maybe like two months ago or so where I was doing a show and I had a full-time job mm. and th- like the, the industry was picking up. And so all of a sudden there was a- an actual week where I had to submit, like it was like a Thursday and I had to submit no joke, like five self tapes by Monday and they were all incredible projects. And for wow. some, I was so, the issue is like you go two years without, without getting anything um, because of the pandemic or, you know, very little. And then all of a sudden things pick up and it's like exactly what you want. Um, yeah. But for me, I was so, because I had such a warped perspective at the time, you know, I was so stressed and I was so um, anxious and like very hard on myself during that time because I wanted everything to be perfect. And there has to be a moment where like, you just sit yourself down and and just just chill the f out and realize that there's exactly that that perspective of one being grateful but two knowing that this is what you love to do um and so when those opportunities do come around you're you're you put yourself in a really great position to succeed um there's so mm-hmm. much that we can't control as you know but there are certain yeah. things we can control and one of them is our perspective our attitude and obviously our work ethic and if we can if we can control that that's all we need you know the rest is is left up to left up to the universe it's it's not it's not up to us at that point yeah i like um well and, and number one like the fact that you dealt with all of that and were able to juggle that i mean that's insane i don't know many people that could you know so kudos to you on that um and i think uh also as pers- like perspective is very important and i want to reiterate because i'm I, i'm a mental health advocate that um <laughs> that uh <laughs> it uh i don't know man like you also got to get your mental right too you know, and your emotions and you got to get a good support, uh, group. Cause I know that I, I, I wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing without like my sisters. Yeah. Um, they've been so supportive and they're, and my mom, um, and my dad too, you know what I mean? But like, uh, like I, and you are an amazing friend and, and no idea what you're talking about. It's just, well, I've never met you in my life, but I think okay. ultimately, um, right. uh, it's important too to feel your feelings, you know? And then also have a safe space to to talk to the people you love and trust and open up to about the struggles that you're going through. Because to just say like you uh, being in an off-Broadway show and then you have a full-time job and then you have like five self-tapes and then, you know, I, I don't believe in this fake positivity crap because it's bull crap. You're, of course, you're going to be stressed doing that, right? Like there's no way a human being could not be. Right. Um, and they would be lying if they would say that, mm. like, they wouldn't be. Of course, you're going to be stressed. And, you know, you want those, you know, five self tapes to be as good as they can be. And of course, you want to book the job because that would be awesome. So juggling all of that and holding space for all of those things, you need to be in a good mental space. Yeah, right. uh, and, and so and even if you're not, again, feeling safe to, uh, like, take care of yourself mentally, emotionally, physically, everything you need to do. And then also having a good support around you, I think is like the key to continue in this business too, because um, I mean, like when I was in New York, when I was uh, fresh out of school, I wasn't doing so hot. Mm -hmm. And so um, 
but it was my friends that that were able to uh, get me through that situation, you know, so I don't know where I would be without that support group. So being real about it too, like this, this industry is very difficult. It's very hard, but if you love it, um, you'll do what you need to do because just like anything, any, any career, there's sacrifices, there's different things you have to do, but like, if you love it enough, um, and of course you have to be, you know, lucky and in the right place, the right time, you know, all of that stuff. But, uh, yeah, if you love it, like, don't, don't let that dream die. That's all I got to say. Cause I, I almost did, you know? Mm -hmm. So if anyone's listening to this that are thinking about, Oh, I'm too scared or whatever. If you're going to school for this or you're about to graduate or you're already in the real world, you have to keep going. You have to get, if you love this deep down in your soul, ask yourself that question. If you love it, don't look at where you are right now. You know what I'm saying? Because if you're looking at where you are right now and you're not where you want to be, of course it's discouraging, but you also have to be, and there's like one of my favorite quotes, you have to be delusional to a certain extent, you know? So it's like, you have to, you have to, if you love it through all the fear, through all the doubt, you just have to keep, you have to keep pushing if you love it. And it's going to happen. I really do think that if you're meant to do it, because like we were saying, it's definitely a combination of like the universe and then also the effort you put in. So if it's meant to be, it'll be, but you have to push past all of that fear. And I think if you're living life that you want to be happy, um, then acting is just a part of your life. It's not all of who you are, yeah. you know, um, and then you'll, you'll, you'll naturally, I don't know, like start to craft a life outside of it. You won't have to be even conscious of it. It'll just start to happen because you're like, I mean what's other you're just going to wait for your agent or actor's access to send you a c-mail and then and then you're like oh i'm enough i got a self-tape what the hell is that that's stupid <laughs> um so i mean we've all been there but like it's that's just not a good way to uh to look at it you know mm -hmm. um so that's that that's what i would say i love you i'm so grateful for you. you thank man. you for being my support system um I will always be here for you as well. And I just want to uh, pull the listeners one more time. If they do want us to uh, mm -hmm. continue mm -hmm. the conversation um, and be co-hosts, I don't know. I mean, just throwing it out there, just getting the ball rolling. Does that make well, sense? We're gonna, well, <laughs> well, we're going to start getting merch. <laughs> and and I just see, I see you moving out here. You leave Hoboken no, no, no. and, 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 and just, you move out to LA, we get a podcast going out here. I don't think anything could stop us really. Um, what would be on our first t-shirt? Like, do you have a saying already that you feel as though resonates with you enough to be on merch or do you have to think about it? In which case listeners, let us know, hit us with the, the good, good. And, uh, we'll, we'll make it happen for you. We'll, make make it, we'll do what we need to do. We'll do, we'll do we'll do what we need to do. But hey, listen, man, thank you for having me on this little pod. I've been wanting to be on it for a while. It's going to be one of the longer ones. I know you got to edit the crap out of this. <laughs> and also, you know, shout out Nancy Gomez. That's my mama. Shout out to my dad, Jose Gomez. I'm a junior of him. And my sister, shout out Cosmo Luna. I rep for them, man. And for San Lucy, my 772, I love you.